Hello, my name is Pastor Bill Vervelde and I'm the pastor at Grace 242. And I'm really glad that both Trinity Community Church and Grace 242 can still come together for Maundy Thursday. Even though we're over virtual, I'm glad we can still meet together today. So it's an honor to be with you, even if it is um, over virtual. Our scripture reading comes from John chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 1 to 15, and I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. John 13, verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had wrapped around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Well, if you weren't feeling the effects of isolation before, I'm sure you are now. I think we're all being impacted in one way or another by the isolation that's being brought on by this virus. With everyone isolated and unable to go out, at least, most people are at the top of their meme game. And here are a few memes that I found that remind us of the isolation that we're feeling. The first meme was posted by a person from our church, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. It says, who remembers places? <laughs> Next one is quarantine diary, day one. I have stocked up on enough non-perishable food and supplies to last me for months, maybe years so that I can remain in isolation for as long as it takes to see out this pandemic. Day 1, 45 minutes later, I am in the supermarket because I wanted a Twix. <laughs> Seriously. Here's another one. Bay, or girlfriend, says, come over. And I say, I can't. I'm in self-isolation. And then my Bay says, my parents aren't home. And I say, but they should be. <laughs> I like that one. Olympic Games, Tokyo 2020, <laughs> and all the countries are social distancing. All the rings are separate. Here's a two-frame one. People normally, and everyone's on their devices. People during the quarantine, and everyone's outside. <laughs> Here's another one. Quarantine update 
We moved on to Scrabble today, but he keeps playing the same word. Isn't that cheating somehow? And then you look at the board and <laughs> every word is meow, spelled by the cat. <laughs> meow, meow. Here's a four frame one. Coronavirus lockdown. How introverts think it will be. How extroverts think it will be. How the media thinks it will be. How it actually is. <laughs> And it's people fighting over toilet paper. <laughs> Here's another one. Congratulations, class of 2020. <laughs> and he's in his VR headset. Yeah, it really is probably a horrible time to be a senior, either in high school or college, and have all of these kind of last go-arounds taken away from you. Someone created a Where's Waldo coronavirus edition. And you open up... And there he is, because he's the only one at the beach. Another page. And there he is, he's the only one at the park. And then lastly, oh my goodness, this is one of my favorite. Lego set number 17654, Coronavirus Panic. Everyone is hoarding toilet paper from the, the store. I think many of us are feeling the effects of this isolation. We probably feel stuck at home or confined. This virus has so dramatically altered our lives that it probably feels like this oppressive weight that we wish we could just throw off. As we head into an Easter under the oppression of this virus, I think that many of us just long to be free from it. We long to be broken out of this confinement and we look forward to our day when our world is liberated from this virus and life can return to normal. I assume that the oppressive weight of COVID-19 is only a small taste of what the Israelites felt when they were enslaved in Egypt. We're confined to our homes, but Israel was confined to slavery. The virus can feel like a weight that hangs over our lives, whereas Israel faced the weight and oppression of forced labor each day of their lives. We've been asking God to free us from the virus but Israel was crying out to God for deliverance. And the Bible says that God heard the cries of the Israelites and set about his plan for deliverance. So God raises up this man named Moses. God tells Moses that he'll be the one who leads Israel out of slavery and out of oppression. And God cuts through all of Moses' excuses and unbelief by doing miracles. He sends these terrible plagues upon the Egyptians as part of his plan to break Israel out of slavery. The last plague was the most terrible. God planned to kill every Egyptian firstborn son in retribution for the Egyptian king taking the lives of Israel's sons. This would be the final blow dealt to Egypt. God cares for his people by giving them specific instructions on how to be spared from this plague. Even though this plague is going to be so terrible, God's going to give His people a way to be saved from this plague, a way to be spared. The Israelites are to slaughter a lamb and paint its blood on the door frames of their houses. And when the angel of the Lord would come to slay the Egyptian sons, the angel would see the blood on the door frame and then pass over that household. And all inside the house would remain safe. And at the same time, the Israelites were supposed to eat a meal. Now, this meal was no leisurely dinner. 
The meal was eaten quickly and with urgency. You were even supposed to hold your walking stick in your hands as you ate this meal. Because the message was, get ready to leave this place. Get ready to leave Egypt. You're about to be freed from this oppression and slavery. There's not time to linger because we're about to get gone. This is why Israel is to eat bread made without yeast, because there's no time to sit and wait for bread to rise. Ain't nobody got time for that. There's no time to wait, because you'll soon be leaving this place. The death of the firstborn is the straw that breaks the camel's back. This is how God liberates his people from slavery in Egypt. Pharaoh finally lets the Israelite people leave. This is how God breaks his people out of slavery and oppression. This moment in the history of the Jews was so important that God instructs the people to celebrate Passover every year as a reminder that he liberated them from slavery in Egypt. Flash forward to the New Testament and everyone is headed to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. And Jesus is eating the Passover meal with his disciples. Look at John 13 verses 1 to 2a. This is the context for this meal. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. This Passover meal is Jesus' last supper. It is Jesus' last meal with his disciples before he goes to the cross and dies. And he is going to reshape this meal. The disciples know that this Passover meal celebrates something that happened in the past, Israel's liberation from slavery in Egypt. But now Jesus is going to reshape this meal into something that also celebrates something that's going to happen in the future. He says that the unleavened bread is his body which will be broken, and the wine is his blood which will be shed when he dies. Jesus is also saying that he is the Passover lamb who will be slain. In Exodus, the lamb was slaughtered, the blood was spread on the door, and the people in the house were saved, and the nation was liberated from slavery. In the same way, Jesus is the Passover lamb who died, and his blood saves us. It is Jesus' sacrifice that liberates us from slavery to sin. In 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7b, Paul says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. In the Old Testament, the Passover lamb signifies the liberation from slavery in Egypt. In the New Testament, Jesus is the Passover lamb who will liberate us from slavery and oppression of sin. I think the isolation and oppression of this virus affords us an opportunity to connect with the Passover lamb in a way that we might not otherwise. As we feel the weight of this isolation and as we feel the weight of the oppression of this virus and the weight of being confined to our homes, we long to be free from all of this. We long to be liberated from this virus, and I think that we ought to transfer that longing of freedom to our Passover lamb, Jesus. How much more 
do we appreciate Jesus' sacrifice, liberating us from slavery to sin and death when we sit under a virus where we long to be free? I think now that we're confined under the weight of COVID-19, we can uniquely identify with Christ, our Passover lamb, who liberates us from slavery to sin and death. Jesus' sacrifice was the ultimate act of service. He dies in our place. He dies so that we can be set free. He dies to liberate us and free us from sin and death. He is the ultimate servant. And so at the same time that Jesus reshapes Passover, he is setting an example for his disciples. Look at John 13 verses 3 to 5. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now look specifically at verse 3. Jesus had authority over what? over everything. Hebrews 1 says the Son is supreme over everything. He is king over the cosmos. He is king over the universe. And what does this king do? He takes the position of a slave and he washes his disciples' feet. Jesus is our Passover lamb who frees us from sin and death. But he doesn't just free us to do whatever we want in this sort of libertarian thing. He frees us to live our lives as a copy of His. He frees us to live as servants. Look at verses 14 and 15. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus is saying, I've shown you how to live. Now I'm freeing you from the slavery of your sinful nature to live like I have lived. I'm freeing you from bondage and slavery to your sinful, selfish nature so that now you can live like me. Now you can live as a servant. Last week we finally had some sunny days after all these clouds and rain. I think we had basically clouds and rain for like a whole week. And I had lots of phone calls to make and kind of meetings to attend that I could listen to and call into. And so while I called, I spent time walking because I wanted to be out in the sun. I wanted to be outside. I wanted to get some exercise. And so I'm walking the streets of Cedarburg that are right around our office. Uh, and I met up with Bev Ripple, who is a woman from our church. And, and so Bev and I began talking, six feet apart, of course. And Bev told me this story. She said, uh, she said that she had gone to Piggly, as she calls it. She calls it Piggly, which I, I love that she calls it Piggly. She said she had gone to Piggly, and she was checking out, and the cashier had asked Bev, did you find everything that you needed today? And Bev, I guess, said, man, I, I just really wish I had found some toilet paper. I, I, I just really want some toilet paper right now. And the cashier sent one of the other Piggly Wiggly employees to the back, and this employee comes back with a package of toilet paper. And the cashier hands this package of toilet paper over to Bev Ripple. Bev looks at it, and this package is labeled with the name of this cashier who's checking her out. And the cashier says, you need this more than I do. I don't need this. 
And Bev realized that this package had been claimed by this employee of Piggly Wiggly. I'm assuming that the employees had said, you know, once that shipment of toilet paper comes in, let us know so we all can dibs one of them. And she had written her name on it, like that's for me. And this employee had just given it over to Bev. Said, here, you can, you can have this. And I tell you that story because it's a simple act, but that was an act of service. That Piggly Wiggly cashier in that moment washed Bev Ripple's feet. That Piggly Wiggly cashier had served Bev Ripple. Today, as we sit under the weight of this virus, we long for our Passover lamb who liberates us from slavery to sin and death. Our Passover lamb, Jesus, frees us so that we can live like him. He frees us so that we can live as servants. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. May that be true of us as we head into this Easter season.